Welcome to the ESP PPE podcast, Proper Project Expectations. Just a quick setup or reminder of what we're doing here. This is our 2023 summer series covering selling under NEM3, working in solar in California, and why it's still the best place to sell solar in the country if you know how. We're all about learn, then earn, whether you're fresh to the industry or a sun-baked seasoned pro. In this podcast series, we'll go through the course of a project from some pre-sale topics all the way to final system activation. Don't take anything we say as gospel. Just try it on and see if you like it. Here we go. We're doing something a little bit different this week. Jack Walker, VP of Construction at Energy Service Partners, came up with five electrifying questions. We're asking that of all of our top battery manufacturers over the next few episodes here. We're going to be sharing these by way of our LinkedIn groups for California NEM3 discussions and home service professionals of California. So if that's how you found us, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't joined already, head on over to LinkedIn and do a search for those groups. We'll be happy to let you in and join the discussion. This time around, we had Enphase. They need no introduction as the world's premier microinverter manufacturer. Had a great chat. I was sorry to miss it, but here we go. There's my guy. How are you, man? I haven't seen you. What's up? Good. Yeah, no complaints. I actually just got to Anaheim right in time. Yeah, I'm good. Perfect timing. How are you? What's what's new? Oh, man. Uh, What's new? So one of the things that I said that I would do to help would be to spur some more engagement from our vendors in like how we can sort of give good information to sales reps that they can use. The reason I said I would do this, Ryan, is because I'm a I'm a firm believer in the concept of being able to repeat what you see or to repeat what you hear regularly. So I'll give you an example. I'm pretty decent at the game of golf. I've never once taken a lesson But man, I have watched some really good players play golf, and I've tried to duplicate what they do in order to sort of improve my game. And it works really, really well. When I was um, a young sales rep working for Milgard Windows, Gary Milgard, every single year, had a group of sales reps that he called the President's Club members. And the President's Club members were the guys who sold the most at the highest price and Like everybody who was a sales rep in the company wanted to be a President's Club member. And Gary regularly put those guys up on the stage. And he said, during this weekend, when we're at this national sales meeting, get with one of these guys, pick their brains, learn from them, duplicate what they do, and you too can be that successful. Um, And I don't know exactly when it kicked in for me, but you know, at some point I went to President's Club five out of six years. And so it was because I was able to duplicate what I saw somebody else do. So the goal here is to get the minds who know their product better than we do, because you're the product expert. And um, for those of you who don't know, I've got Ryan Stepp joining me from Enphase Energy. They're the largest microinverter company uh in fact, recently, you guys just started producing in the U.S., right? Did you start manufacturing in Carolina and yeah, we've got two. Wisconsin? Yeah, we've got we've got two manufacturing facilities that are open now. One in South Carolina, and the next one is opening here in uh, Arlington, Texas. And we'll be manufacturing almost everything that comes into the United States domestically now. That's that's super exciting news, right? Because literally, you can talk about supply chain constraints 
go exactly to the point of trouble, correct it, and then just get moving forward should that happen, right? So that's super cool. I previously sent you the five electrifying questions and I talked about them with with our marketing team a little bit and said, hey man, let's put together some questions that's really going to sort of engage the sales rep and help them understand what it is they're actually trying to do now because selling solar used to be really simple. And I personally think it's still very simple. It's just become a little more complex in the components. And I think truly what happens is it can be a little intimidating when you try to talk some of the language that you've never spoke before. When you start trying to say things like self-consumption and you don't know what that actually means. And some people use the term ESS instead of battery. And some people have a backup interface And some people don't, but yet the systems are still doing this self-consumption thing, right? So I sent you five questions. And what I wanted to try to do is sort of get your perspective on the answers. So let's do it. Uh, Hey, before we do that, I do want to share with people that you and I have a special relationship. It's not just that of vendor and uh, consumer, right? Yes, company that I work for, ESP, does in fact buy some materials from Enphase. And Ryan, at one point in time, you were our rep. And now we have an actual other rep that you're in charge of because you direct all these guys. But prior to this, Ryan, you and I worked together all the way back at EcoFirst. Yeah, that's right. Years and years Uh, and years ago. You and I had the unique privilege of selling a product that was so boutique, very few people could actually sell it and or install it. So that part was kind of fun. And then for those of you who don't know, EcoFirst actually got bought by Sun Edison. And at the same time, they absorbed a group of sales reps from, um, what was the panel? Co- Bosch. I think it was Ale- Aleo. Aleo yeah. Bosch. But the Bosch Aleo group got consumed right. by Sun Edison as well. And you and I end up working with Steve Walden and um, Shane Messer and a whole bunch of great people uh, that are mostly still in the industry today. So it's super cool that, you know, everybody sort of branches out and does different things, but uh, super glad that you and I could connect on a real plane. That's right. If you And if you think selling batteries is hard, go try and selling therms somewhere. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> try to explain what a therm is, right? <laughs> so funny. We're going to play the f- um, five electrifying questions. I've got them up on the screen for you uh, sort of as we go. I know I did give you a sneak peek at them. And quite honestly, I'll probably end up doing this with a couple of different manufacturers. But at the end of the day, like everybody's answer will probably be a little bit different. But I really do trust that generically speaking from a 15 or 20,000 foot level, everybody's answer is going to be virtually the same. And uh, hey, if somebody gets it wrong, we'll certainly correct them up. So let's um, (laughs) let's take a look. Let's take a look at the first question. And it's really kind of simple, Ryan. How would you best describe the relationship of ESS, which you and I know as a battery, right? I don't know why all these acronyms have to be in place. What is the best way to describe the relationship of a battery within a PV system in them? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think um, you know the most important thing for people to remember is that this is not. It's complicated when you get into some of the algorithms and and the way that the, the systems work and the communications protocols inside of all the systems. But when you're explaining it to a homeowner, I think it's, you know, it's really important to think about things simply and to keep things really simple and to not dive into all the nuance of the language and the acronyms and all of the things that we could do given, you know, the different and the varying experiences, right? You can be an engineer and still explain things really, really simply. And you want to think about how would I explain this to my kids? If I was just trying to go to their kindergarten class and explain it to the kids, 
you know, how would I explain it? And I think people really um, obviously, you know, value expertise, but, you know, sales salesmanship is not always, you know, telling everybody everything, you know, it's, it's telling people the right things in the right way and asking questions. And then, and then obviously, you know, simplifying things in a way that's not condescending, but uh, helps them to understand, you know, why that thing works that way. So when I'm looking at a question like this one, you know, if I'm talking to a large group of salespeople, you know, I would urge folks to think about simple ways to explain the the relationship in terms of using batteries in a PV system, especially when you've got lots of different nuance related to those. So in this example, I, I tried to keep it a little bit fun, and I wanted the salespeople to think of it think of it like any other appliance that you'd use in the home. In this case, let's let's think of it like a refrigerator that keeps food fresh. So in this example, think of the PV system as you know, maybe a garden. Think of the battery as a refrigerator and think of the utility or the grid as the grocery store. And so if you're thinking about the analogy, you'd say, okay, well, the garden, aka the PV system, it provides the food or the energy that you use daily, right? So the garden's providing the food. If you don't use a refrigerator, the food can go bad and become unusable. You don't always want to eat all the food all at once because, you know, obviously you're just going to waste it or you get too full and get sick. The fridge or the battery allows you to, to store food so you can eat it whenever you get hungry. You can use it when you need it. And if you ever need more food than you can produce, obviously, you can always go back to the grocery store and get more food. So, you know, in this kind of, kind of an analogy, you just basically explain to the homeowner, it's the same thing you're doing today. There's really no difference in terms of uh, storing something for when you want to use it or when it's most beneficial to use it. And this is this is really no different. I love it, Ryan. Super smart, right? Grocery store is your actual sort of regular supplier. It is your utility, your garden. It's the thing that you built. You cultivated it, just like your solar system. You put the solar system up on the roof. So now it's producing for you. And then your battery literally becomes your refrigerator, which is where you take your garden materials that you grew and you stick them into it so that you can use them whenever you want. I think yep. it's super smart. It's actually one of the best scenarios I've heard, and I don't even want to add the one that I heard. The one that I heard was about, uh, seriously, the one that I heard was about, you know, carrying around a spare five gallons of gas in your in your vehicle, right? Yours is way better because you're actually growing it in your garden. I think it's fabulous. So great. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I agree. The relationship is purely about being able to store something for when you want to use it. And then we're going to talk a little bit later about, actually, maybe even in the next slide, we're going to talk about, hey, when do you want to use these things, right? So let's let's click on to the next electrifying question. The second one really goes hand in hand with the first one. And it's, hey, Ryan, what's the best way to help a consumer understand the terminology self-consumption? And then when we're in a self-consumption mode, so to speak, what's actually happening? Like, what's the system doing? Can you share that with us? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, going back to the going back to the last analogy, I think self-consumption again is it's it's just eating what you produce, right? In in this garden analogy, right? It's eating what you produced and saved locally without having to go back to buy more food from the store. So ultimately it's 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 exactly as it's described, which is just self-consumption. You're not pulling anything from the from the grid. You're not using anything that's external. You're you're absolutely focused on using everything that you've produced locally and then continuing to use that as much as possible. Obviously, it doesn't mean that the store has gone away and you can't go and you know pick up another 
steak if you need it or another bag of chips or something like that. You can get that if you need it. But, you know, you you want to focus on having a system that allows you to kind of produce locally, save locally and use locally. When what's actually happening is is fundamentally your home is still using, you know, that energy. You're still actually using that energy while you're connected to the grid. That's just the difference is now it's it's being funded or it's being uh, delivered by the home energy system, which is, you know, obviously typically a battery, which is just delivering all those kilowatt hours for use, the loads that are that are driving that consumption. Cool. Uh, let's, but but let's again, make sure, sorry, let's make sure we encompass the whole thing, right? So when when people are using the words self-consumption, I think sometimes the battery actually gets lost here. One of two things happens, right? They either think they're only using PV power generated by their system in this moment, or they're only using power that has been previously generated by the battery. And quite truthfully, and this is where I really rely on your expertise, Ryan, both could be happening at the exact same time, depending on the programming of your your uh, your system in general, right? You theoretically could be producing a certain amount of power from your PV panels that's coming directly into the home from your inverter. At the same time, you could actually be drawing some power from your battery to sort of make up for anything that the system's falling short of. And then that's self-consumption. And then the third scenario would be, if I needed more, I could get that from the grid, which is not. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that, and that's one of the unique things about, about our system as well is you've got, you know, multiple sources where you can fund that consumption or you can feed the consumption. You can you can feed the, the energy consuming appliances in the in the home. So, you know, as one example, I can I look at my own system. I've got one one of our batteries on my house. By about 9.30 in the morning, that battery is completely full because it's been depleted from the night before because yep. I've set it up to self-consume. I want it, I want all of the you know, appliances in my house to draw that battery down between the hours of 5 and 9 p.m. I want to use everything I possibly can, and I set it to a 10% reserve. So now I've dropped my entire battery down over, over the evening. Yep. Um, and then by 9.30 in the morning, my the array that's facing east has completely filled up my entire battery, and and now my, I've got a full battery. Yeah. Um. You know, in in many cases, I'm still even though I've got a full battery, I'm actually delivering some small amount of kilowatt hours directly from my PV array into my home for self consumption. I draw yeah. about a half a kW uh, every hour, and I'm pulling that directly from the array so that I don't have to pull it from the grid. That's right. Everything else that's being produced at the grid is actually uh, or is being produced by my array is actually going to export at the grid. And you get some you get some buyback rate for that. Under I get buyback. NEM, under NEM 3.0 conditions, that buyback rate may be big, but it may be small. And let's be honest, for the most part, the regulatory commission has said it's going to be small unless it's this certain time of year and in, within this certain window. All right. Cool. That's right. So in this scenario under when we talk about self-consumption, like system sizing becomes important, right? You talked about how much your system produces that your home's going to use 
between the hours of 10 and 4 because maybe nobody's there or it's using very little and the rest is going out to the grid. The important part is that your system produces enough to recharge your battery back to a full state of charge so that when you do get home from work, the kids do get home from school. Speaking of which, you've got new kids, man. Your kids. Oh, no, they're not new anymore. Yeah, 14, 14, 10, and 9. 14 and 9 is the last one I remember. 9 is the last one I remember. How are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. Happy, healthy. And, uh, you know, they're playing golf and tennis and, and you know, doing junior lifeguards at the beach. And <laughs> I mean, everybody's everybody's having a good and busy and productive summer. But uh, yeah, everybody's good. But they're around. I mean, all summer long, just to, to your point. I mean, we are we are self-consuming like crazy because they get home from their things at two o'clock and they want to go swimming and they want to turn the lights on, the fan on. And, you know, in Ventura, it's raging hot at 81 degrees. So they got to turn the air conditioner on. Yeah. So, you know, we, we really do start consuming. And going back to your point, Jack, is, you know, in M3O, design of the system is going to matter a little bit because, you know, if you're producing most of your energy and most of your power um, in the morning, if you're producing it because it's all east facing, then you you may not be taking advantage of, of the best possible export rates in the afternoon. Of course, you're going to fill up your batteries. Of course, you're going to set up your system to be able to deliver the power that you need from the battery system that you're you're using um, for self-consumption. But what we're finding is south and west facing it ends up being the, the most uh, and west facing in particular becomes the most, most valuable. valuable space yeah. on the roof because of those late afternoon kilowatt hour production. Okay. Uh, yeah. And your capability to export rates, so it's a it's a really interesting dynamic that's happening on the overall uh, in the design. Uh, you're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent on it. I think that time of use. People ask me all the time, Ryan, do I have to change my habits by going solar in an M3.0? And I say the words, no, you do not have to. If you choose to, right, that is technically being smarter. Right. And if you wanted to be smarter about it, most of your appliances today have certain functions that you can take advantage of that you probably don't. And there's a couple of really good examples. The best example is your actual dishwasher. Your dishwasher uses hot water, which makes your hot water heater come on. And if that's electric, that thing runs a whole bunch of times during the day. But your dishwasher has a function that says delay start by X number of hours. Most of them do. And I can tell you right now in Arizona, the most power that I'm making during the day is about 11 o'clock in the morning. It's still ridiculously hot, but it's not as hot as it could possibly be. It's going to be much hotter six hours from now. But at 11 o'clock, we run our um, dishwasher because we're generating power that we know is going to come directly from our actual solar system. And it doesn't use any power. Folks with a battery, once your battery's charged, you then run your dishwasher so it can come off of PV. Hey, let's let's dive into that battery for uh, a second. The third electrifying question is one that's super near and dear to my heart because it is new with NEM 3.0. And I think a lot of people don't understand the real value behind this because it's really setting up for some, I don't want to say spectacular. There could be some really dynamic things happen as a result of this, and there could be some crazy dynamic things that happen because of this. But let me read it real quick. Under NEM 3.0, 
the utilities have provided for batteries to discharge back to the grid. And that's new. Under any of the NEM agreements prior to 3.0, you didn't, you weren't supposed to be able to discharge your battery back to the grid. But now you can. Let's talk a little bit about the significance of being able to store power, use it when I want, and then sell power back to the grid. Yeah, it's critical. It's a critical element of the new NIM3 net billing tariff strategy from the grid. It's it's export is is entirely meaningful. You know, really there's there's two different ways that you can look at it. And we're going to I'll talk to you about this at the end, but we're going to have a white paper that comes out. Uh, we've been working on it for a long time, too long in my opinion, but it's about a six or seven page white paper. Every one of your salespeople should read this because ultimately it's our opinion about um, the net billing tariff, how to optimize uh, uh, the best ROI for a homeowner, um, and and ultimately the the different strategies that a salesperson can employ. But you know, in this NIM 3.0 environment, export is a critical element, and I'll, I'll explain why in just a second. Because you know, in NIM 3.0, if a homeowner sells energy at certain times of the day, typically between six and eight p.m. during certain months of the year, typically August September. Those are the months when the demand in the grid is 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 obviously significantly higher, and if they sell it back during those times, six six to eight p.m. August September, uh, the homeowner is typically going to be pretty well compensated. In fact, I was just talking to somebody in PG&E territory, uh, and the 2024 export rate is something like three dollars and ninety two cents per kilowatt hour. Three dollars and ninety two cents per kilowatt hour times thirty one days times two hours. That's hundreds of dollars. So, I mean, it's it's not insignificant. And you really want to build up those 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 export credits as much as possible. Well, here's the deal. I do think people will become smarter over time. And my coaching, if I was a sales rep in the home, my coaching would be to shift everything to the middle of the day that I could. Like I would shift my pool. If I had pool and jacuzzi, I would shift those things so that the filter pumps are running during the day so that my solar can definitely offset those things. I'd run my dishwashers during the day. There are lots of people today who are working from home in a remote scenario as a result of COVID, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. The fact of the matter is they are. So like this concept of having a a spike in the middle of day of production and not being able to use it might not be as true as it used to be, right? So yeah, Ryan, I I 100% agree with you. We'll talk talk a little bit about that too, because I think your next question actually addresses it. But uh, you know, ultimately, a home that can self-consume most of the year and then intelligently sell energy during certain times of the year. Yeah. Um, what we're finding is is obviously it improves the ROI for the homeowner, and in some cases, the export feature can reduce the bill bill offset by twenty to thirty percent and improve system payback by by as much as like two to three years, depending on the overall design and and your your capability it it's super valuable and ultimately you know as you can tell i mean $500 of credit you know in one in one month for just a few hours of of you know that export you know well, obviously becomes becomes pretty valuable so just imagine what happened if somebody goes to an extreme on this right if someone yeah. does 10 kilowatt hours if someone does 15 kilowatt hours like we're not saying your batteries are limitless of course but what we do know a few things outside of most folks, and that is system size has to be able to support the number of batteries. You have still have to be able to discharge all of those batteries to the demand and the grid. So, yep. like, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. But you know, it is significant to be able to sell the power back. But there's another feature of having a battery that I think is is vitally important, and not everybody has to choose this. This is now really an option, and that is, can I back up? 
either all of my home or some of my home to battery power or ESS in case the grid goes down. You might remember in Northern California, they had some rolling blackouts a few years ago. I don't know that um, I don't know that Southern California saw them specifically, but I do know like San Diego, SGG&E had them when they had those fires out in uh, Alpine and Lakeside areas. So like, yes, rolling blackouts do happen. Um, SMUD went through them quite a bit. There's lots of places that have done them. If those were to return, your backup system could help you. Having a battery could power the things that you need to power for a certain period of time. And you don't have to do the whole home. You can do some of the loads if you want, just the critical ones or just the, I don't want to call them vital and critical. You get caught up into these different terminologies and people think they mean different things. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can choose which loads you want to have backed up. And it can be as simple as things like your refrigerator to keep your food cold, your garage door so that you can have access to get in and out of the house. And maybe it's lights and receptacles in the living room so that you can still watch TV and get caught up on the news. And remember, that's all a condition of like, hey, there's a situation going on and we still need to be able to do certain things. And I think that's privy to it. Let me click over to this next question, which is uh, number four and dive right into this one. Lots of these systems have a thing called a a buoy, a backup interface. I know Enphase calls it something a little bit different, right? And I'll let you dive into that. But in what way does a buoy help with MPUs and reduction of how often an MPU has to be done? An MPU for the sales reps who are new to the industry, right? An MPU is a main service panel upgrade. And when you guys hear this, you probably smack your head and go, oh man, I just lost, you know, X thousands of dollars because these things are expensive. Well, when you sell a battery and you have a buoy, um, these backup interfaces can help. Ryan, would you share with us in what way they can help? Sure. Yeah. So we call it we call it a micro interconnection device, not a buoy. More more acronyms for everybody to remember. But the important thing is they're all gateways. I mean, basically they're all backup gateways, and and that's really what you want to try to remember there. You know, ultimately um, we've got two different ways that you can avoid main service panel too. We can do it either from our combiner box. Or you can do it from the micro interconnection device. Liner box uh, standalone with with you know main panel avoidance is is re- relatively new. In fact, we're kind of just rolling that out as of the last two weeks. But that's for for grid tied only for for a grid tied self consuming battery with no backup. You can avoid main service panel upgrade by enabling that software directly through the combiner box. We have had uh, main service panel avoidance in our backup gateway and our micro interconnection device for the last year year and a half. But ultimately, um, you know, the bottom line is adding a battery can can often trigger a main panel upgrade. And, and with our equipment, it can be avoided through software algorithm called, we call it PCS, it's power control system. And, and that is, at its core, it's just electronic current limiting. So that when you put, um, let's say, you know, a significant number of panels up on the roof and you've got 10 kWh of batteries, can all of that get delivered into a 20 amp breaker? Um, and with PCS, you have that kind of flexibility because it's going to do electronic current limiting down to 16 amps so that uh, you never exceed your 120% rule. And I'm assuming, of course, that this is on a 100 amp panel, um, but the same is true on, on a 200 or a larger panel as well, because obviously the assumption is, is that larger panel, larger system, et cetera. But we need to have PCS. We need to have power control systems because we don't want to continue upgrading 
you know, main service panels over and over and over again as we, you know, deliver in larger and larger uh, energy storage systems to homes and allow them, you know, the the power and the independence to kind of do what they want to do. What PCS clo- does is it, is it closely monitors the output from the combiner box or the micro interconnection device, the gateway, and it ensures that the current is limited to a present value uh, as determined by the amount of availability and capacity in the main panel. So, so like I just kind of said, it, it, all it does is it reduces, it curtails the amount of power that's coming out of the system into the breaker in the main service panel. Yep. Um, and this is this is a UL rated uh, piece of software that all of the jurisdictions are um, accepting because ultimately it's 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 reducing the power that gets backfed into the grid, thereby obviously reducing main service panels and um, even transformer upgrades. Yeah, super smart in that sales can now go sell something and be more effective in how they're going to speak about what happens if, right? Because typically when you go to a house and you're talking with a homeowner and, you know, there's there's three things that have to happen, right? You're, you have to qualify financially. Your home has to qualify via the roof, right? We have to be able to get the right amount of panels on there. And then your electrical panel has to qualify. And guaranteed, one of those three things is going to be a stumbling block, right? So your job as the sales rep is to figure out which one it's going to be and how to best work around it. When it's the roof, we have to shift planes. When it's the consumer, we have to look at different financing options, right? But when it's the main panel, we don't really have a lot of options. We're stuck spending a bunch of money for something that the homeowner didn't need until they went solar. Now then, the industry as a whole, including Enphase, has said, we're going to do some different things. You're choosing to current limit. Other companies are doing things where they actually are providing um, a, a different box that has you know, 200 amp bus bars already in it capable of receiving the feed that's coming. At the end of the day, the output is being changed that's going to the main panel to accommodate exactly what that panel can accommodate without necessarily changing the load calcs of the house. And I think that's the that's, right. I think that's the biggest impact of it. Yeah, the good news is on our on our micro interconnection device, I mean, we can receive 80 amps of solar and 80 amps of battery, but it always boils down to, so for the backup side, you can always really provide like monster of a system. The question is, what what do you want to backfeed and what are you allowed to backfeed based on any C120% rule? So PCS allows you to reduce the number of main panel upgrades that you would do, and we call it main panel avoidance, Um, but ultimately allows for oversizing of that solar and battery and be the assumption that neither the solar nor the battery will be simultaneously exported. That's where where I was going. That's right where I was going is, hey, what's the impact of this on system sizing? Can I now be limitless in system size? I can fill the entire roof? Pretty, pretty close to it. I mean, you you have a you can do some massive systems, and ultimately, what it does is it saves thousands of dollars, you know, for the homeowner in terms of PCS and main panel avoidance. Obviously, you know, taking that out of that contract cost and all of the associated financing and everything else gives you a lower payment, and the homeowner obviously is going to appreciate and, and probably desire a lower payment versus a higher payment, better rate of return, you know, better better ROI, and um, you know, like I said, ultimately lower monthly payment. And given, you know, some of the other challenges that we've got with M3O, obviously lower payments are a good thing. I think one of the things that always comes up in the sales process when you're, and again, you know, I, I work mostly on the construction side. I, I spend a good amount of time 
working with sales orgs and salespeople. And, and heck, I was a salesperson myself. In fact, I still sell sometimes. Like I don't go out and sell PV to homeowners. Not that I'm above or below that, right? I would love to actually go out and do that and make some money. Where I'm going with this is, you know, every once in a while, someone will ask you a question about, hey, should I consider this or should I consider that? And whenever somebody asks you your opinion, you really do go into sales mode as an individual. You try to sell your opinion as to why your opinion is right. I really put these questions together. Not This is not an effort of patting myself on the back, but I really put these questions together in a way that really drives to this end question, because I do believe that we will get to a point one day where what's the uh, what's the actor's name who's in that movie Grand Torino? Uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. I, I really do believe we're going to have. How, how did you know? How did you know I would know that? I mean, I, I'm just a smart guy. <laughs> I, I think we're going to have the day where that guy, the Clint Eastwood type guy, who has solar on his roof for five years. And he's put two batteries into his house or three batteries into his house. He's looked at his production. He's looked at his consumption. And I honestly think that one guy is going to start a trend where he tells SCE or PG&E to come pull his meter. Get it out of here. I don't want your power anymore. Do you envision a day where PV and ESS truly drive homeowners away from the utility? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, you can you can see what we've done over the last five years in terms of you know innovations, inverters, and batteries, and you know EVs. I mean, think about five years ago. You know, did you see you know Teslas and all the superchargers and everything else that, that, that I mean, you didn't have that. So, you know, not 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 to the, the extent that we see today. So, I mean, just our awareness of how we consume energy and where we consume energy and all of these things. Are, are very different. And the next five to 10 years are going to be even, you know, more significant advancements because now we we really can kind of see down the path and everybody's already looking, you know, far down the path. At a minimum, it'll allow people to go off grid for, you know, very extended periods of time. And and I do I do think that, you know, eventually folks will will look at ways that they can eliminate grid connection altogether. But, you know, I think what it really boils down to, Jack, is a mix of energy products that that it will allow the home energy system to deliver, you know, independent savings and the protection from the outages. I wrote down three things that I think are, are going to be the most impactful. One is something you've already touched on, which is the smart home energy management systems. Uh, we call them HIMS for another acronym for, for those looking for it. We acquired a company last year called Greencom Networks. Uh, it's one of the largest uh, HIMS companies out in Europe. Uh, and ultimately what, the, what, what this company Greencom did was they partnered with all the manufacturers. So you know, the dishwashers and the washing machines. And I mean, your appliances in your home, your TVs, your fans, your lights, I mean, all of these things. And and Greencom Networks basically designed software to speak to all of those appliances so that, you know, you don't have to necessarily push the button on the dishwasher anymore that says delay, you know, by two hours. Right. That's right. You just load it and you'll hit it. You load it, you put the soap in, you close it. And then when it's the best possible time, uh, for your home energy system to run the dishwasher, if it's on that setting, it'll run it at that time. So if it's three o'clock in the morning, it'll run it at three o'clock in the morning. If it's 11 o'clock in the morning, it'll run at 11 o'clock. Ultimately, it's, it, it, it designs the best possible ROI so that your home is optimized uh, to either use under a self-consumption uh, type model or a, uh, hey, there's a sale uh, of energy happening at the grid right now. Let's take advantage of that. 
uh, and export our battery and use, you know, what's on the roof right now for self-consumption. Something, yeah. you know, something along that line. So, yeah. so that's the hymns. And I think the hymns is going to be like unbelievably important coming into the next year or two. Tell me the name of that company again. A Greencom Networks. And we're already, we're already designing a product called uh, the Energy Modem that would be uh, released in North America sometime um, in 20, late, maybe late 2023 yeah. or uh, early 2024. But yeah, it's, it's an energy modem and ultimately it connects to all the appliances in your, in your home. So it's, it's, it's really designed to, to make it seamless and simple for, for the homeowner to be able to uh, self-consume smartly. You, you mentioned that you wrote down three things. Um, yep. HIMSS was one of them. What's next? Yeah, alternative energy sources. I mean, we, we've we been uh, an investor in a company called Upstart Energy, which is a fuel cell technology for the last two or three years. We envision fuel cells you know, as, as, as an alternative energy source that allows a homeowner to have access to potentially lower cost of energy that is not part of the grid 24 hours a day. So even you look at small fuel cells like 2KW, producing 2KW an hour times 24 hours a day. I mean, that's 48 kilowatt hours just in and of itself. Yep. So if it's you know viable from a return on investment standpoint to have a small 2KW fuel cell that runs on natural gas, well, if natural gas happens to be cheap and spot prices are down at a, at a low price and it's cheaper to produce you know at 6 p.m. from your fuel cell and you don't have solar anymore because whatever reason uh, the solar is not producing from clouds or you know maybe it's too late in the day and the sun's gone down. Well, heck, let's use our let's use our fuel cell. Let's That's use right. an alternative source of power versus just going to the expensive grid. We're looking for everywhere where there's a sale happening. To going back to our early analogy, everywhere where there's a sale happening, we're cutting coupons to make sure that we're getting the best price on our food. So that's that's the idea here. It's super smart. Yeah. So and then the third one is obviously bi-directional EV charging, right? You know, homeowners looking at at, at EVs as a way to power their home, as as a way to provide energy, as a way to connect to the home energy system altogether. And, uh, you know, we're not so far away from that one. That one's, you know, a no. year or two out. Um, and I some companies are already out there kind of marketing that it's available, even though it's it's pretty limited. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I have a different opinion of it. And I'll, I'll share it with you, but I'll, I'll try to limit the the intensity of which I in which I deliver this. Right. So it no matter which way you look at it, that EV is going to be more of a load than it is to be a distribution center. It's always going to need to be charged at some point when it comes back from doing what you bought it to do. That's not to say that I want to see, you know, electric vehicles go away. I think there is a very practical application for bi-directional use with EVs. And it definitely would be at the, you know, late night, we lost power. There's an auto transfer switch. The battery is now being supported by the EV, which is literally just a battery. And instead of having 10 kilowatts on your wall, you've got 10 kilowatts on your wall and I don't know, 15, 25 kilowatts on your garage floor, having those to talk to each other. And again, you get to make the smart decision. Do I want my car to discharge so that my house can have power or do I want my car to not discharge so I can get to and from where I need to get to tomorrow, whether there is or isn't power? Like, is again, giving consumers the choice, I think, is really the smart part. The difficult part in all of this is being able to explain it effectively enough without confusing them. Because I really do think NEM 3.0 has confused a lot of people in what it is that solar and storage means today and how do they act with NEM 3.0. 
I agree with you. And that's where it comes back to just keeping it simple. I mean, you talked about, you know, the EV potentially being, you know, a part of the system. And I think that's what what it all boils down to is, is that we think that, you know, there's going to be multiple things that drives a homeowner to be able to save, have independence and reduce their, their, reduce their consumption, uh, maximize production, and then have everything speaking to uh, all of the different components speaking to each other so that, you know, they're really using each other and leaning on yeah. each other and all these types of things. And it's, it's, a, it's a distributed architecture, which, you know, obviously Enphase believes in because, you know, that's what we are at our core. I mean, we don't want one inverter that can fail and, you know, shut the whole thing down. We want multi multiple inverters. We want a distributed architecture. We want lots of microinverters. We want modular batteries that can all kind of do different things at different times um, and that are stackable. You know, with the home energy management systems, you know, we want we want the the consumption products to be speaking to each other and talking to the the the, the rest of the energy system. So we really believe in a distributed architecture. I, I you know fundamentally believe in it. It's I equate it to you know, any sort of financial investment that you want to diversify. You want to diversify because you want a distributed architecture for your resources and your money and your investments and, you know, your energy and, and everything else, because um, obviously that gives you the most protection and gives you the, the the highest probability of the thing working the way you needed it to work. So that's awesome. Hey, everybody, that's Ryan Step from Enphase. Uh, We absolutely love Ryan. He's been a great partner for us. I'm Jack Walker, your Vice President of Construction for Energy Service Partners. This has been five electrifying questions. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ryan. It is always a pleasure to connect with you, my man. Wish the family well. Give them big hugs. And I hope to see you and them soon. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, ESP. Take care, guys. The views expressed herein may or may not represent the views of Energy Service Partners Incorporated, its ownership, management, affiliates, or subsidiaries. No construction project is guaranteed to be free from errors at any stage, and nothing contained in this recording should be taken to imply otherwise.